This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Would you please turn with me to the Psalm 23? I want to continue this conversation when life gives you lemons. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed the message last week. It's always good whenever I enjoy what I'm preaching. Maybe if I enjoy it, maybe you do. I don't know. I want to continue this conversation, and I told you that as we walk through this, we're going to go through this over four different weeks, and we're going to look at four different truths from Scripture about how we handle life when life gives us lemons. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Life is going to give us situations that are no good, right? We live life just like anybody else does, and life happens, right? I'm a guy that I... I, I it's my calling and my gifting to stand up and speak the word of God, and I don't hardly have a voice this morning. Life happens. Nobody's exempt from anything, right? Then you can take that to a much, much bigger scale where the, the great thing could be happening, uh, life could be going good, and all of a sudden something stopped your family dead in its tracks, and you're like, what in the world? None of us are exempt from life, right? So it only makes sense that we as Christian people would do our very best to be prepared for what life is going to throw at us and how to handle what life throws at us when we get a lemon. Amen? Our big takeaway last week, I told you, um, I went through a whole long list of different things, but the, the bottom line of where we needed to get to was in order to persevere through a lemon of life, we have to change our perception. Amen? In order to persevere, you have to change your perception. So the very first truth that we have to know about a lemon and dealing with a lemon of life is you have a choice whether you're going to persevere or not. Either you're going to turn tail and run or you're going to stand and face it head on and deal with what's been dealt to you. Almost every single time you got a situation in your life, if you turn the way you look at it and you look at it from the other side, it's a whole lot different and easier to handle. Right? Right? Pastor Jonathan, I might need another bottle of water, sir. <coughs> I don't normally even bring water to the pulpit. Today's going to be a two-bottle kind of thing. In order to deal with the lemon, we've got to persevere. The second truth I want to tell you about today, though, is when you're handed a lemon, you have a choice to sit in chaos or a choice to follow. Okay? When life gives you a lemon, you have a choice to follow or to sit in the chaos. I, I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but what I watch, I enjoy the, the emergency service type shows. I love the police shows, and I love the uh, fire shows. I think it's because my inner self, if I wasn't called to be in the ministry, that's what I would love to do. 
We, we went through a community service chaplain training program so that somehow, some way, the Lord's going to open a door for me to step into that and bridge the gap of my ministry with that. But I love watching those shows. And if you think back, and maybe you've been in a, a crisis moment, but when something major happens, when a major accident takes place, there, there's chaos, right? For every person involved in that moment, they're struck by anxiety, they're, stri- they're stressed, they don't have a clue what to do, their, their mind is just blown because realistically when you're on your journey, you're on your way, and life throws you into an accident, <coughs> you're, you're sidetracked, you weren't expecting it, right? There's chaos. And until somebody shows up on the scene, whether it be a bystander or whether it be a first responder, until somebody shows up to give some direction, it's utter chaos. Right? You got to deal with me, I'm sorry. I love to see it. I love I love to see the, the rush of when the first responders get there and you start seeing somebody. I, 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 we watched Chicago Fire, and you can judge me maybe later. We'll talk about it if you need to. I've not had a personal conviction. If I do, I promise I'll step away from it. I love Chief Bowden. Anybody ever watch Chicago Fire, Chief Bowden? He shows up on the scene, and he's got this real big, deep voice. And he starts giving orders. And it's like when Chief Bowden shows up, everything's okay. The building just collapsed. People are dying. Everything is utter chaos. But when Chief Bowden shows up, and he starts giving orders of what to do, and he looks at that guy, he said, get him. Everything's okay. Somebody has to step on the scene in crisis and bring some kind of direction, or else it's utter chaos. And it's no different than when life gives you a lemon and chaos comes on your life. If somebody don't show up and you don't find some kind of direction, you're going to live in chaos. Right? So the question is, when life hands you a lemon, are you going to choose to follow the direction, or are you going to maintain the chaos, and run around like a chicken with your head cut off. You're going to get a lemon. The question is, are you going to follow? And I thought about Psalm 23. You know this, but I want us to break it down, and I want us to look at it for a moment. David himself is a shepherd, and he's walking through this. And if anybody knows what this relationship looks like between the sheep and the shepherd, it should be a shepherd himself, right? So I need just for a minute to put aside all of our our times we've sat in funerals and we've sat and we've heard the Psalm 23 read. I need us to kind of set aside for just a minute and put ourselves in the place of the sheep, okay? Not in a time of hurting, not in a time of just... Except for a minute and figure out the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I love the way the New Living Translation says, shall pursue me. Because I don't believe that God's goodness and mercy just follows us, but I love that that word shifts just a little bit, and it says it pursues me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, we read this and we hear this as God our Father, as our shepherd, and it's easy whenever you read a line like, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake, to look at the idea of God the Father leading us. But I need you to really look down to the literal idea of a shepherd and a sheep for a few minutes. I also love watching the cowboy shows, right? Anybody else? Back in my rodeo day, I used to think that it would have been amazing to live in the time where I had to do cattle drives. I would have loved to have been on a cattle drive. I love working cows with horses. It would have just been the dream for me until I got killed by some water moccasin or something. I love watching it, though. I love watching the system of how when a cattle drive takes place, the guys have to to work strategically together to move these cows from one location to another, right? Everybody has to be all hands on deck. It requires everybody to do their job to get this group of cows that don't want to move to another place. I don't know about you, but sometimes we are stubborn sheep and we don't want to move from one place to another, Right? Maybe it's just me. But they start on this journey. Thank you that it's not just me. And they start moving. And there'll be one straggler who don't want to go with the rest of the herd, and he ends off all over there on the side somewhere, and that cowboy goes and gets him, and that's whenever he gets shot by an Indian or something, and it starts this huge invasion in the cowboy movie, right? But they go get that one and they bring them back. Point is, why are they moving the cows in the first place? They're their cows. There's an ownership factor involved. Because if that herd of cows is not my cows, I sure am not going to put forth the effort to move them from one place to another. Right? Follow me for a minute. A herd of sheep that don't belong to nobody don't need a shepherd. They can wander off on their own. They can take care of themselves. They got it all together. If they don't belong to anybody, they don't need anybody to shepherd them. The whole reason we have a shepherd is because we belong to the master. Right? Our whole reason for needing moving in the first place is because somebody cares enough about us to take us from one place to another, to take us to a place of green pasture, to take us to a place where we can sit down and and drink some water. There's an ownership factor. If God didn't care about you, he wouldn't shepherd you. If I didn't own them herd of cows, I sure enough wouldn't care to go for the the uphill both ways in the snow and the rain and sleet and ice and the move them cows. We wouldn't do it. We have to understand who we're created by. And the question comes, do we follow? Right? You could go a lot of different directions and I really, 
don't intend to break it down a whole lot. During this day, these shepherds that, like David, the sheep that he kept were mostly in deserts, right? They were in deserted areas. It wasn't these beautiful, lush, green pastures for miles and miles and miles. There had to be some strategy in how the sheep got fed. There had to be some strategy in how they made it from one place to another. Because it wasn't that they could just show up in any old place and find something to eat. Those sheep had to depend on the shepherd to get them from one location to another safely so that they could lay down in that green pasture and they could graze. The valley of the shadow of death is not always a bad thing. I was just in the mountains yesterday. The valleys are some of the greenest places. Some of the clearest rivers are flowing through the valleys. When we used to ride horses all through the mountains, it was the valleys that were beautiful. You'd find you a little meadow off in a valley somewhere, and that's where you wanted to eat lunch. Right? <coughs> the shadow of death come in, though, when us dumb sheep, Sitting in the middle of the valley, grazing just with no care in the world. Don't have a clue that there's a wolf sitting at the top of the hill looking down on us. And we're in the shadow of that mountain that he's about to come off of and try to devour us. Right? Right. That's right, baby. So we have to depend... In that valley that don't have to necessarily be a bad place. Sometimes I'm okay not being from one mountaintop to the next mountaintop. I get tired of being on mountaintops all the time. First of all, I have to work a whole lot harder when I'm on one mountaintop or I'm going to the next mountaintop. Right? Sometimes it feel good, feels good to sit down and rest in the valley. But where we get messed up is we think we can just do whatever we want in the valley and we forget that up in the shadows somewhere is somebody waiting to tear us down. A lemon waiting to come at us. And your Bible says that his rod and staff comfort me. The rod is for protection. So that when that Lion, tiger, and bear, oh my, comes down and tries to devour me in the valley. That shepherd can take that bat, that rod, and beat that lion, tiger, bear, oh my, off of me. The staff is so when I decide to be that one dumb sheep that strays off on my own somewhere, he can reach right down and grab me from that place. I didn't have no business being. But there's a purpose to the shepherd. And unless the sheep decide to follow the shepherd, you're off on your own, left to who knows what, to die whenever. Right? What's this got to do with lemonade? Well, I'm glad you asked. We know... Unless you got some secret recipe I don't know about. To make lemonade, you got three ingredients. Water, sugar, lemons, right? 
So, I don't know how much sugar you put in your lemonade. Two cups. Well, you see, I ain't got a recipe. So, I don't know. I have no direction. It's chaos. I got the ingredients. I got lemons. I got God. I have the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I sure enough got life happening, right? But I have no direction. I can drown out my lemon with sugar if I take an ocean to. Right? What good is lemonade without the taste of lemons? In the same way I can take, I ain't going to spill this water. I didn't tell him not to fill it all the way up. That's my fault. I can take all these lemons and put in this pitcher. And I can have it so sour you don't want to touch it. Right? Without the recipe, your lemonade is nasty. I'm just saying. Maybe you got it in your head and maybe your great, 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 great grandma's grandma give it to you. But there's still a recipe you're following. Right? There's still some direction. So here's you three thought processes on the recipe. First of all, slow down and find the recipe. It's easy to go to the store. I don't think Micah really likes it a whole lot, but I'll go by. I'm sorry, baby, I did it again. I'll go buy groceries, and I'll come home, and I think I know what I'm doing. I start trying to cook something. Where I got the idea, maybe the Holy Spirit. I have no idea. I'll start trying to cook something. I don't pull a recipe out of nowhere. If I need to use the Instapot, I might Google some instructions on the Instapot. But other than that, that's about the end of it. Slow down and find a recipe. Because without the direction, you have no clue what or how much to put in the lemonade. Right? I was at the hospital the other day. Sister Moore and I were sitting there, and I don't know if she'll remember this, but Crystal was talking about some spaghetti that she didn't cook this go around. <laughs> and I, as her husband, I believe, had put rib rub in the spaghetti. He had started everything he could find and in the cabinet he was putting in this spaghetti, and she said, he ain't touching my spaghetti no more. It was nasty. It's easy to grab everything out of the closet, everything out of the, the cabinet, start pouring it in, right? So whenever the crisis takes place, it's easy to flip out and go into chaos mode, right? It's easy to start thinking, well, uh-oh, what do I do? How do I do this? Where do I go? What do I say? What do I do? Who's going to help me? Think about just a car accident. Oh my goodness, what's happened? I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know what's going on right now. I have no clue. What do I do? But realistically, if you'll slow down, take a breath, and sometimes you need somebody to tell you to do that. Right? That's the first step when you show up as a first responder. Take a breath. Are you okay? 
Slow down and find the recipe. The Bible says, Psalm 46.10, be still. I know I'm God. It's easy for me to show up in excitement when I get home from the grocery store with some lemons and some sugar and just start pouring them in. When realistically, if I would just sit down and be quiet a minute and take a moment to find a recipe, it completely changes the outcome. Right? The writer said, be still. And know that I'm God. We forget who created the lemons in the first place. Somebody has been before you and somebody's already been here and done that. You just need to slow down and find the recipe. But finding the recipe is not enough because once you find it, you've got to trust it. And I'm that guy too where I'll find the recipe and I'll say, well, I ain't got that ingredient. I ain't got that ingredient. I ain't. I'll just replace them with this. Or they're wrong. It really needs more sugar than what they say it needs. Trust the recipe. We've been given direction. We've been given life's instruction. I get it. These are black and white words on a page. And I get it that you don't understand how Somebody that begot somebody that begot somebody that begot somebody that begot somebody has anything to do with your lemonade in your situation. Fact. I mean, we don't, right? But I promise if you open the word of God and you say, Lord, you know the lemon that's in my life right now. You know my struggle. You know what I'm dealing with. I don't believe that the Lord's going to lead you to the, this person, but God, this person, but God, this person. But if he does, I promise he'll give you a revelation like Jesus coming out of a terrible bloodline, for instance, to take you through your limit life. But you got to trust the recipe. I can find the words. I can find the direction. I can even let him write it on my heart. But unless I trust it, in order to make it to the next step, to act on it, it does me no good. Right? We have to remember Psalm 119. 105 says that your word's a lamp unto my feet. In your darkest place, his word will be a light into our feet and a light into our path. Then the hard part is getting to the place, like the writer of Proverbs said, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. I might think I know how to make lemonade. I might think my way is better than the recipe. Right? Some of y'all just think you know better. And God knew that you would think that. And so he gave a very clear instruction. Don't trust your own understanding. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, even making your stinking lemonade. Acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. He'll make all your paths right. But not while you lean on your own understanding. Not while you go around the process and around the recipe.
Trust the Lord with all your heart. Even in that valley. Jeremiah said it like this. He said, blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by the water that sends out his roots to the stream. Doesn't fear when the heat comes. For his leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. But you've got to trust the recipe. The lemons that hit my life hit them hard. The next lemon won't hurt as bad. Because the lemon that I had before taught me to trust a little more and a little deeper. So the next lemon that hits me isn't going to hurt quite as bad. Sure, it may feel like it in the moment, in the chaos, but if I'll sit down, be still, be quiet a minute, figure out what the recipe is, figure out how I follow, trust the process, and then walk in those steps ordered, it changes the whole scenario. I can find the recipe, I can trust the recipe, but until I execute the recipe, there's no outcome. Your lemonade needs to taste like lemons. Right? Otherwise, you might as well drink some sugar water. There's no purpose in lemonade that does not taste like lemons. I don't believe. God designed the recipe for our life to never have a squeeze of lemon juice in it. Because every time I take a sip of that lemonade on a hot, roasting day when I need something cool and refreshing, when I take a sip of that lemonade and I taste that lemon, I'm going to remember what had to happen in order to get that lemon into life. If God wanted your life to have no lemon flavor at all, he would have never allowed the lemons to come in in the first place. Life is supposed to have a taste of lemon. Is it overwhelming? I cannot stand bitter lemonade. I love you, but if you make lemonade and you bring it in this sour, I'm going to do my best to grin and bear through it and tell you I love you, but I might not drink it again. I don't like sour lemonade. I don't like sugar water either. It's supposed to taste like lemons. My lemon left something inside me and left something within me to make me better than I was before it got to me. I'm thankful for that journey. Was I in the moment? Lord, no. Was I seeking direction from everybody else from the Lord? Yes. I had a pastor friend I called. I said, hey, can I come home now? I said, no. Your life is supposed to taste like lemons, but it's not going to overwhelm you. So we find the recipe, we trust the recipe, but then we have to follow the recipe. James said it like this. He said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Do what it says. We come in, and I told you all ago, it's easy for us to come in and sing about the powerful name of Jesus because we've experienced that. 
But I promise in your crises, it's not easy to sing about the powerful name of Jesus. Right? In that moment when life is so sour, it's not easy to sing about the powerful name of Jesus. It's not easy to feel the heaven on earth at that point because we feel like we're literally living in a hell on earth. Right? But James said, don't be hearers of the word. But in those moments when it has to take place and when it has to happen, you need to be a doer of the word. Because I can find the recipe. I can trust it. I went and bought my lemons and my sugar. I got my water ready. I can trust the recipe. But if I don't execute it when it counts, then I'm not following James also said, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. I can have a recipe, but be so hard-headed that I'm not willing to submit to the recipe to follow it through. Right? And I told you, God knew you were going to be like that, so he said, trust in the Lord all your heart, and all your ways acknowledge him, lean not on your own understanding. Follow the recipe. We get lemons, right? Life happens. Where we fail to to find ourselves, you can play something soft for me, is remembering Paul's words. Because whenever I'm beat down, busted up, aggravated with lemons, I don't want to remember That God makes all things work to the good of those who love him. Right? I don't want to remember that I'm called. In order for you to have met Jesus, it meant that Jesus, I said it earlier, but that he introduced himself to you. You can say you found Jesus, which is a true statement. Maybe you did find Jesus, but it only took You could not have approached Jesus on your own. It took Jesus revealing himself to you. He introduced himself to you, right? You're called according to his purpose. There's a plan. But until I decide that I'm willing to follow the recipe, my life is going to be a mess. And I forget I'm just a dumb old sheep. I'm just a dumb old sheep. I don't know this terrain. I don't know these mountains. I don't even know the predators that want to eat me. I don't know what's sitting in the shadow up top looking down in the valley at me while I sit here and rest and graze on the luscious green grass and drink out of the crystal clear streams. I don't know what's up there. Because I'm just a sheep. Until I get to a place that I realize I was created for a purpose and I belong to the creator. I believe that boy will follow me all over this place 
wherever I want to go. If I say, buddy, let's go, we're going. Because he belongs to me. He knows who he belongs to. He knows that all of y'all might be crazy, but he belongs to me. He's going to go with me wherever I say go. He might not like it occasionally, but he's going to go. And where we lose our whole thought process in the chaos is we forget in that moment, in the chaos of life, in the lemon juice, the sourness of life, we forget who we belong to. Just because life happened don't, don't mean that you don't still belong to a God that loves you. So we persevere through the lemon. The question is, are you willing to follow him through the season? I've met people that have wandered around in that season of life that was so hard for so long, they don't know anything other than that. They've stayed in their hurt. They've stayed in the bitterness. They've stayed in the pain. They've stayed in the anger for so long, they don't know anything else. I promise you, there was somebody trying to lead them out of that a long, long time ago. But they wouldn't follow. Would you stand with me? I don't have all the answers. I'll be the first to tell you that. Micah would probably be the second. I don't know it all. I make mistakes regularly. As some of these ones that walk around me all the time. I'm not perfect. I can't be the one to lead you out of your junk. All I can do is give you the word of encouragement and the hope to point you to the one that can. I can't lead you out of your junk. But when life gives you a lemon, slow down and find the recipe to make the lemonade out of it. Trust the recipe and then execute the recipe. Would you pray with me? Father, I love you. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your strength. God, that you've allowed me to push through this message today. I thank you for your people that you brought here this morning, Lord, that needed this word. God, life's given us lemons daily. There's nothing we can do about it. There's no way we can stop it. Father, and I pray that your word today has fallen in a place 
or somebody could allow it to soak into their heart. Father, they're, they're persevering through the lemon. They're making it. They've decided they're going to stand. They're going to deal with it. They're not going to allow the lemon to take them out. They're not going to allow the situation of life to destroy them. They're going to persevere, Lord. But today I pray that you put on our hearts to follow you, Lord. You're a shepherd that cares about us. You lead us to, from one place to the next so that we have all that we need. You protect us from the things that we can see, God, and the things that we can't see. You care beyond anything that we could ever imagine. We understand today the reason that you shepherd us is because we belong to you. You, you call us your children. We're a part of the family. God, I pray for those in the house today that are dealing with these lemons that life's thrown at them. God, I pray that you allow them to slow down, be still, and know that you're God. You're a God that cares. You're a God that, that loves. You're a God that's, that is goodness. You're a God of mercy, a God of grace. God, they need to be still and know that you are God. Slow down to find the recipe, Lord. They need to put their whole trust in you to understand that your ways are so much more beyond our ways. Your thoughts are so much more beyond our thoughts. You've gone before us. You've not left us. You've not forsaken us. You've already walked through this season that we're in today. And you're asking us to put our whole trust in you, Lord. Father, and as we put our trust in you, understanding that our steps... As people that love you, that are trying to do right, your word calls it a righteous man as our steps are ordered before us. God, I pray we have the boldness and the courage by the power of the Holy Spirit to execute the recipe and to walk out our trust, to walk out our faith. Follow you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.